This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our right to live. Live free, live at all. Here in what was formerly the United States of America, now it is the Fourth Reich, which is connected to the global governance, a genocidal, malfeasant government. Daniel Horowitz back here on that dire note for Friday the 17th, closing out a, a very busy week for all of us. And boy, have you guys been amazing. We're still number one in politics. Rise of the Fourth Reich, the the hardcover, the audiobook. Um, great comments, great hashtags you guys have on Nuremberg 2 promoting the book. And I have to say, it really is timely, and we're going to get into this today, with what is going on in East Palestine and, and the surrounding area in Ohio when you see things that prima facie make no sense, it's like, wait a minute, wait, you, you just killed people. Wait, am, are, are my eyes lying? Like, yeah, they did. And they'll continue to do it. The biggest feedback that I'm getting from the book, you know, especially those of you who have been listening, particularly the last two to three years, and reading my columns and following me on social media, you know the data, you know it. But what this does is it packs it together in an emotional way that you realize, wait a minute, like this degree of evil is not limited to North North Korea, China, Iran. This is what Western governments are like in this era we live in. And I remind people in the book that Germany, the Third Reich, that was considered the most advanced enlightened society at the time. People who wear suits and don't look like a bunch of, you know, ragtag people in the jungles of Africa guess what? They could be just as evil, if not more evil. And that's what we're learning. That when you see a train of observations that, wait a minute, I don't think that was right to begin with, but now that you know day after day after day after day that it's absolutely killing people, and they're looking you in the eye and saying, safe and effective. Vinyl chloride is the new remdesivir clot shot. Safe and effective. No problem. Wait, wait, what? I don't know how this happened and how you thought this was okay, but we're 10 days into them returning with the smell and the burns on their bodies, and, 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 and they're still remaining there. What? How, how does that happen? Well, when you read The Rise of the Fourth Reich, to this very day, yeah, it killed more people. We're going to purchase more. We're going to have more mandates. We're going to have the next version of it. Wait, what? And then you start peeling back the layers. Well, wait a minute. If they're trying to kill us now... Who says this whole thing didn't evolve in a way that was on purpose? I don't know what the story with Ohio is, but the important thing is what we know right now is genocidal. So we're going to get into that from a an expert perspective, um, from a hazardous exposure perspective to understand what should be done there and what isn't being done with our special guest coming up. First, our sponsor today um, – Again, folks, really, really excited 
about our friends at Patriot Academy. Okay? Patriot Academy. A lot of you, again, we claim we're conservative, but we don't live the life of a conservative. We claim we're pro-gun, but we don't know how to use a gun. So many people don't know how to properly draw from a holster, how to win a defensive situation if you find yourself in one, which increasingly with all the criminals being let out of prison, you will. This is the most valuable course to your self-defense, and it's the funnest course. So basically, you get to meet me. This is going to be April 23rd. Five-day course, 500 bucks for the whole course. Normally costs 2500 but you know it's non-for-profit. They're, they're, they have donors. Patriot Academy now has their own location, their own gun ranges out in Fredericksburg, Texas, okay, just west of Austin. So a lot of you guys live in Texas. No excuse. You could drive there, 500 bucks for the whole course. You get to meet me. You get to meet Rick Green. We learn the Constitution at night. We shoot together all week during the day. It's fun. You work on your marksmanship, your timing. Um, the drills are amazing. The camaraderie is amazing. We'll get to strategize our con action teams. To find out more just about the logistics of it, the information you need to know, you could register by going to patriotacademy.com slash Daniel. And spots are limited, so make sure you register now. If you have questions for me, you could always email me, danielhorowitz at startmail.com, and I could pass them on to Rick's uh, Rick's uh, children uh, run the program and the you know just the logistics. You have questions about the arrangements. Um, you stay in a hotel nearby. Eventually, they will have their own accommodations. They're building that as phase two. So again, patriotacademy.com slash Daniel. Uh, many courses, by the way, throughout the spring, they even have now advanced courses. Some of you already took the basic course, and it's not so basic. I mean, it is... Very few people pass that test. They have a test at the end, um, but they actually have the next level, and they also are going to have um, rifle, long-arm courses as well as handgun, but this one is handgun. If you want to meet me, it's at the inaugural course, uh, Sunday, April 23rd. So again, be there, be square, patriotacademy.com slash Daniel. So folks, you just look at the basic information we know. Um, and you see death, death and destruction. 3,000 fewer people are in existence in Scotland in the month of January. Straight from the Scottish government. In January, excess deaths rose 17.7%, while births dropped 6.8%. Both, both directions. It's right from the government website. Um, nrscotland.gov. Do you know what 3,000 people in one month is in a country as small as Scotland? That's about 183,000. Again, lack of birth and excess deaths together, 183,000 in the U.S. in one month. Another data point. The wealthiest nations in the world account for just 15% of the population, global population, but they account for 74% of all COVID deaths since last March. So essentially in the non-vaccinated countries, COVID stopped a year ago. Well, these countries is still there. We see all of that. Spanish paper just published. Novavax. Everyone's like, oh, that's that's gonna be better. Same rate of myocarditis compared to other um mRNA shots. It's uh and this one's not mRNA. 
It's a mothball-based insanity. It's a Spanish paper published in, in the journal Drugs. And there you go. But the government responds. They purchased another 1.5 million Novavax vaccines. By the way, after throwing out the first 75%, people don't want it anymore. But the policies aren't changing. Yeah, we're going to kill you. That's what I want to show you. That's what we're trying to bring out. That's what people are wrapping their arms around when they read the Fourth Reich. They listen to it like, oh my gosh. I, I, I know our government's doing this. Even those of you who listen, even myself. It's funny because Steve said he never heard the audiobook, And um, he started playing it. And then he, he himself couldn't go to sleep even though he wrote it. <laughs> you know, it just pisses you off so much. This is what they'll do. So it's like, well, wait, going back to Ohio, same thing. It's literally a mirror image of COVID fascism. But it's a, it's a mirror, the exact opposite. They will turn on and off the switch of their tactic in order to achieve their objective. The same thing is true in each case. They are willing to kill people to achieve an objective. In the case of COVID, they wanted to instill fear. What's the biggest symbol of fear? Public wearing of PPE, masks, and hazmat suits. They wanted people doing that to achieve their lockdown and then the vaccine and then the whole agenda. Right? In this case, notice not a single person is wearing PPE even in the place and even the, 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 the cleanup workers. It's the most bizarre thing. They need to be in hazmat suits. And nobody, no, notice, no wearing of PPE. Hey, you ought to wear a mask. You ought to do this. No advice. So we're going to have uh, Kristen Megan Kelly come up, uh, hazardous exposure expert, to talk about what, what should obviously be done there. The school was open the day after the Chernobyl. I mean, the day after they came back. So I guess... They did the Chernobyl uh, late Monday afternoon, last Monday afternoon, a week and a half ago, and they invited them back about 48 hours later. School was open that Thursday. And they stepped in and they smelled it and immediately had, you know, adverse effects. Some had to go to the ER. And they're like, yeah, you can't drink water. They, they openly admit that now. You see the chemicals floating in the streams. You know it's in the air. You smell it. It's, it's there. And nothing. It's the exact inverse. They don't want to shut the school. They don't want to evacuate people. Do you know how, how hard would it be? Do you know how many millions of illegal aliens we've shunted through? How many thousands of illegal aliens uh, New York and other cities put up in hotels? We can't take a town of four or 5,000 people and help them out? We're making them sit there and they're, you know, most of them are poor. They can't afford to go anywhere else. I'm assuming the ones that do have relatives did leave and some did. But a lot of them, if you don't have, you know, a lot of you don't have relatives in a vicinity of part of the country where you live. Where are you going to go? And they can't afford it. It's so hard to say, let, let's take a week at a time where we're going to move you out for a week. Like this is not, oh, it should have been done earlier. They're still not doing it. And this would be even if you had the mushroom cloud and prima facie, you don't see signs of it. But you do. You smell it. You see it in the creek. You see it everywhere. They're getting sick. And nothing. The most dangerous chemicals around. Because if they did that, that would instill fear. And people would get to the bottom of this. And this, for some reason, they don't want it. You don't believe me? This is from 
the water service, American Water, is the company in Huntington, West Virginia. That's got to be almost 200 miles away as the bird flies. West Virginia American Water continues to monitor water quality along the Ohio River following the derailment. Again, it's so much the derailment, it's the explosion, but the health and safety of our customers is a priority. There are currently no drinking water advisories in place. Um, we haven't detected problems, but basically they have installed, they completed an installation of a 3,700-foot, 24-inch water line connecting to a temporary secondary intake on the uh, Guyandot River, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Today, the company began testing and operating the water line. So th- they're putting in money. They built a whole thing. I mean, and, and I'm thankful for it. I'm glad that the private sector and whatever these other water companies are picking up the slack. But like they're taking precautions 200 miles away, that entire Ohio River water basin. And remember, East Palestine, the, the creeks in there feed into the Ohio River. It can't be more than like 15 miles away from the Ohio River because it turns north in that direction before dumping south along the you know West Virginia and then Kentucky border. Um so they're they're taking those precautions and we have the people in the place itself. So this is how the COVID um COVID and the Ohio Chernobyl they mirror each other in the sense that it's regulatory capture. You know, Norfolk Southern is the Pfizer so they box out all need for regulation. Like, we're fine with, okay, we'll take care of ourselves. But we can't because our system is built off the government taking care of this. So they're the ones who have the goods on how to test, how to do this, what are the regulations, what are the standing operating procedures. People are waiting for them. To this day, FEMA won't get involved. And that dirtbag, Mike DeWine, that said, you must wear a mask, you're going to die, you do this. This, it's all good. And then slowly walking it back. But still, why are these people not being taken care of? Again, if you don't believe that they would allow people to die and get cancer, uh, dude, they did this for 5.5 billion people of the world injecting with the mRNA. So let's get to that interview. Our interview today is sponsored by our friends at Jace Medical Look, as we're talking about prep and water supplies, they're poisoning us everywhere. Jace Medical has a Jace case at a time when, surprisingly, antibiotics are in short supply. Basic things, you get a sinusitis, you get a respiratory infection, you get a skin infection. Maybe you get it from uh, chemicals or whatever else they're throwing on us. Um, it's a lot more important, important than toilet paper. Uh, you got to have it on hand when you need it, and you might not be able to get it. Jace Medical has a Jace case of five different courses of antibiotics that you can use. I got mine, um, everything from doxycycline to uh, um, amoxicillin. Believe it or not, I mean, I know in my area they were, uh, they might still have a shortage of them. So you go online, jacemedical.com, fill out a 10-minute survey so they could give you a legally um, protected prescription, and it's legit reviewed by a licensed physician at Jace Medical, and then they write the prescription, they send it in the mail. Uh, Make sure to use Review10 promo code, Review10 at checkout for $10 off your order at jacemedical.com. So yesterday, we heard a firsthand account from Heidi Jennings, a woman living with her family just a quarter mile from the ground zero there. And it's a firsthand testimony that you can't ignore, A, because... 
It's legit. B, there's many more. She literally had to take her daughter to the ER for respiratory problems. The very symptoms that are associated with the effects of these very, very toxic chemicals. She says it's a horrible smell. It's nonstop. It was even getting worse yesterday. Um, so it's there's not like speculation. Well, maybe there's a problem, maybe not. Prima facie, it's there. And to this day, we're sitting and dancing around at the safety of trains, derailments. It's no longer about a derailment. We could talk about that at some point. But dude, it's freaking Chernobyl there. You know, I don't know. Will everyone die? Will everyone not die? I don't know. But you got to get them out of there. So I figured today we'd follow up with more of an expert part of this perspective. And I was thinking, okay, you know, who's good in hazardous materials? And, whoa, interesting enough, throughout the whole COVID fascism saga, we had several um, senior industrial hygienists and uh, hazardous exposure experts we've had on. And guess what? One of them is Kristen Megan Kelly, whom a lot of you are going to be familiar with, who's now a celebrity, one of our stars in the Nuremberg trial of Rise of the Fourth Reich. Uh, so she is one of our witnesses. We wanted to give over, we wanted one chapter on masks and just the, the horrible nature of it and how it was willful and they knew it was wrong. And and really nobody could do it like, like she did, did a terrific job. So I figured, well, hey, this is right up her wheelhouse. She was in the military and actually dealt with this both on the civilian side and military side as a hazardous exposure um, protection expert for two decades, senior industrial hygienist. Uh, by, by the way, she also, um, she now works with our one of our great attorneys who's also in the book, Brian Fest of We the Patriots USA. She has a podcast at We the Patriots, so make sure to check that out. Follow her at Kristen Megan on Twitter. Hey, Kristen, uh, welcome back. You're a celebrity now. <laughs> like. Well, I've been in the public eye for quite some time, but if a government would just stop losing its mind, I could go back into hiding. <laughs> well, you're you're needed. Who would think we'd tie the two issues together? But I want to give my layman opinion, and then I want you to fill it in with your scientific opinion. Um, as a layman, again, I don't know. Let, let's just start from the explosion. Let's just assume the derailment was legit, trains derail a lot, and that the best thing to do was to blow it up. But you had to know that once you blow it up with those six chemicals at a, at a minimum, this is what's going to happen. If you didn't know, you saw it, all right? They they're all monitoring all the whole team, well, you know, between, you know, the private, the the state and undoubtedly DOD and others were involved. DeWine said he certainly consulted with them. Um, you saw that mushroom cloud. You saw, you know, so to me, I didn't understand how you could think 1 mile radius is enough. Okay, that's one la- layer. Then you have them come back two days later. Right away, they smell things. Right away, they're complaining about the side effects. And we're on day 10 or 11 from the return. The school's open, literally an exact opposite of COVID. School's open, no PPE, they're there. Before we get to anything, am I not correct in asserting they should get the hell out of there and if they can't afford it, isn't it FEMA's responsibility to get them out? Well, you're exactly correct. Once again, just like we saw through the scamdemic due to its improper response, we knew this was about control, not health and safety. In this situation, we actually have a hazard people should be worried about. And the government knows how to handle these responses. And there's people in my profession and all around the country who are trained to convey this proper risk to the community. 
And one thing that's important to understand is that when rail cars are going through communities, so I have DOT has this material training, and just so you know, on a sidebar in Chicago, I had to train for these for Norfolk Southern and manage the decontamination line in the event of a spill. So when a, a, a train is coming by with hazardous materials, what they do is depending on how many cars there are, how many tankers there are, the, the rail cars in this situation, there was only apparently five that had um, vinyl chloride, and then the rest had a few other chemicals, but then weren't hazardous materials. It doesn't matter. This is a highly volatile substance. You're dealing with dioxins and volatile organic compounds. These are dangerous, and they're mutagenic, and some are teratogenic. Uh, basically, it can alter your DNA, and if you're pregnant, it can cause miscarriage or uh, malformation of the embryo. So we do have a massive hazard here, and you're exactly right. The very thing that we have established in this country, we have the Red Cross, we have FEMA, we have people that are supposed to come in and help for situations like these. And we are not dealing with a large population. So we have no problem giving up this aid to foreign countries and uh, people that are coming into our country the wrong way. I mean, you're fine. You're taken care of. You know, go get that buffet dinner. But these people can't even get a bottle of water. I heard a horrible story of a woman who uh, there was a, an organization or a company, I think it was Norfolk Southern, um, but don't quote me on that. I believe they were handing out water. And if you had to show proof of your address, <laughs> and this person was like literally on the other side of the road and couldn't get a bottle of water. I mean, this is ridiculous. So, again, once again, you have an alphabet agency that is unconstitutional and protecting their friends and not conveying the proper risk. And once again, ignoring um, yeah. the experts on this issue. And I want to get to that later from the public policy standpoint with the with the hazardous materials um, alphabet agencies. But before we get to that, just in terms of practical, again, because I don't, I see a lot of people focusing, oh, we need to help them. Well, yeah, but it's better to help them out than in. Um, I don't understand why that's not the biggest thing. So I understand you could smell certain things and sometimes it's it's obnoxious, but it's not noxious. It's uh, not dangerous. But, but am I wrong in the fact that if to me, even if prima facie you didn't see any signs, given that massive mushroom cloud, you would really have to really do a lot of things to give the all clear. But yet, if you smell it and you know the nature of those chemicals and you see those things in the, you know, the floating in the water, the those rainbow colored um, bubbles of chemicals, but you know it's in the air. And then, again, I mean, a number of them are saying they're having problems. They're experiencing what's documented as the um, adverse effects. Could you ex – is there any way that's not a problem? I mean, this whole situation is a problem. And I think there needs to be more communication on why they did the control burn. I can understand a situation in which they do the control burn. But, you know, it, every, it's so weird how this still wraps into the whole COVID scenario because we talk about movement of air and particulates and all that and what not, nothing is one size fits all. So having that direct plume that went up into the air, I mean, of course, you want dilution to aid in a situation where you have to just pick something to, you know, decrease the uh, likelihood of yep. injury, illness or death. But the fallout of this. It's like they're just fooling the public on, oh, we have vinyl chloride, but no one's talking about, like, where are the other, where are the chemists? Where are people talking about this, how this turned into phosgene and can turn into acid rain and can off gas into formaldehyde? These are carcinogens. Again, these are highly hazardous to individuals, especially small children, women that are breastfeeding early in pregnancy. The risk is not communicated. So 
I know I've heard people kind of reference this as, you know, this is our Chernobyl. I would not say that. This is completely different than radiation. You can't really see the hazard of radiation. We can see this, which is why it's so incredibly ridiculous that they're, yeah. they're thinking people are stupid and cannot see the sheen and don't see the rashes and don't have the respiratory distress and the increased use of their inhalers. I mean, it's absolutely criminal. It's criminal. And and isn't it funny, the exact inverse? Now I know that they know that mm-hmm. PPE is a tool of fear because now none of them want to touch it. So, again, my own layman brain, they, oh, you just exploded it. And, again, you could say diffusion all you want. That might have been what you wanted to do. But th- the reality is there was an inversion layer, the, a meteorological phenomenon, this thing did not disperse because of what happened. And we have no idea how far the effects are. You have to assume it is. And and again, I just read from a water company in Huntington that they installed a whole nother secondary pipeline. They're even taking precautions and, and good for them for doing that. But that's far away they're watching that. And these guys are right there. So obviously, I think we all agree that they should have been out 10 days ago. They should be out yesterday, should be out now. And that should be the number one effort. But discuss a little agree. bit about the the um, you know what you would do. Typically, you'd have no one there, and the few people you do have there to deal with the cleanup, testing, and whatever, they'd be there in hazmat suits, right? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, when you have an unknown and you're dealing with multiple routes of exposure, you go in there. That's why fire departments have SCBAs. You go in there the hazardous materials response team that first goes in there and quantifies the exposures. And then for the community, you treat it as IDLH. Sorry, someone was calling me. <laughs> you treat I, it I, as IDLH. IDLH. What, what does that stand for? Um, that stands for immediately uh, dangerous to life and health, meaning it can kill you at very low amounts and you need to get the heck out of there. So, yes, the people that are there should be in at a minimum full-face respiratory protection with an organic vapor, acid gas, and P100, a HEPA filter cartridge, because this can affect your eyes and your respiration. But it's also a contact hazard, so they should be in Tyvek suits with butyl gloves. Now, these are people that are actually getting into the soil to test it. Now, like I said, the individuals that are in their homes, if they're not going to send the EPA to go in there that has the funding and the proper PPE and training to do this adequate testing, how are they expecting? I mean, people are just hanging. People are going to school, like you said. People are walking down the street. And where is the communication of administrative information? You know, I, like I said, you know, this sounds funny, but they just had a storm system go through. I had an interview the other day, and I had to say, make sure your children are not making ice cream out of snow or ice cream cones, because people do that all the time on social media. Like, you know how sometimes we convey a risk and we go, oh, well, that's common sense. Well, it's not common sense. And they are really, really harming a lot of people by not conveying the risk. And and like you said, juxtapose, we've had nothing but improper risk conveyed to us for three years. And it's like the boy who cried wolf. And now it's like nobody trusts these entities, which I honestly think is a good thing because in the age of the now free speech Twitter, people can go on there. And there's other people in my profession, there's other environmental people who are speaking out and trying to provide guidance and advice on PPE for people who cannot leave. See, but... And I want to get to some of your guidance, which is very important, but I think the reason they're not doing it, because it would beg the question, like we're saying, we're not a poor country, like, and, and this is not, you know, if God forbid it blew up in, in Philadelphia, New York City train station, so then you're dealing with, with a million people or whatever, um, 
you know, it would beg the question, well, if you're sitting there in a hazmat suit or whatever with all these PPE, do this, don't touch that, sitting, your doors closed, well, then just get out of there until they can deal with it. Um, that's what they don't want to do because then the layers start peeling back. Then it is a big issue, and then it begs the question again. Um, we know that you could have long-term carcinogens in the soil, air, water, very far away given what we saw with that plume and the type of chemicals so when you're in that area certainly certainly the way they're 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 smelling it and everything so what would you tell those people if for whatever reason they're going to remain there is the some of the most important things they need to know utilize bottled water and on a precaution, I would minimally use your tap water because, again, this is an absorption hazard, but how soon this could get into the groundwater, we don't know. But if it were me, I wouldn't use any of my household water until I had adequate testing done to show um, that I don't want any presence. You know, there's presence absence. I don't want any presence of vinyl chloride and these types of dioxins in my water and to bump it up against the background water sampling because some of this stuff is naturally occurring. So I would not use the water. I would shelter in place. I would turn off my HVAC system and just seal up my windows and make sure that you are in stagnant air. So if you have fans, you can recirculate those in your house. But again, don't let small children crawl all over. If you had, say, blankets and sheets that were inside of a um, closet, put those over your couch. The best thing we can do is just cover things because at this point, things are settling but again, you can't see this material. And certain uh, things like vacuuming can just create, to go back right into your breathing zone. So it's very difficult to give adequate recommendations on what you can do when I don't have the data that they're hiding. I just know that how I treat things during an unknown, which is what we should be doing because the EPA has yet to have honest communication on the testing and results they have done. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, we it's the same government that's literally telling us as people are dying of the shot left and right, it's safe and effective when it's negative effective. Or, or sometimes they admit it, like New York City Health Department said, you're more likely to get COVID, this variant, if you have the, you know, if you're vaccinated. So make sure you get the vaccine. They literally say that in the same sentence. It, it is a degree of malfeasance that I think none of us were prepared for. So when they come in and say, see, if they would have said, Daniel, it's not as, it's not a Chernobyl. Like you were saying, it's not as bad as you think. I mean, let's get out of there for a week or so. We'll get it cleaned up. I could believe it. But if you're saying even what we're seeing with our eyes is not happening, then we know there's a big problem there. So what what would again i want to start from henceforth what you would do you dealt a little bit with this in the military um what do you do so again they should be out of there and the only people in there should be the professionals with hazmat suits what should they be doing the they professionals should be, oh the professionals what the, should the professionals do what they should be doing is communicating the risk evacuating the area providing water and secondary housing to these individuals. <clears throat> then what they need to do is they need to really go through the manifest and determine what all was there. And I know that they have this data, but they need to really study the weather, get a meteorologist involved to figure out the dissipation rates of this, what these chemicals turned into, 
and you need to go to all the navigable water sources and just not do surface sampling. You need to get down there and do, you know, like when you saw people running, throwing the rock into the creek, that's the sediment from the bottom. So you can need to do that sludge and sediment sampling because if you're just doing surface water sampling, that's not really telling you much because when, say, there's increased uh, weather and there's rain, it can disturb that or people go into that, it disturbs it, and again, it's sitting at the bottom. So what good are we doing by testing the top of the water when it can be disrupted and just come back to the surface? So we have to do upstream, downstream, understand all the background data on the underwater lakes and aquifers that may exist, and get um, people that deal with uh, training on Superfund sites to determine how long it could take for this to leach into the aquifers. Because we have a lot of aquifers in this country that we can't use because they're so contaminated. And I hate to see this happen due to where this is in our country. So they just need to do the appropriate sampling and you have to keep sampling. This is not a one and done. You sample for days, for months, until you can prove that this is clear. I mean, if I was a farmer, there's no way that soil will be usable in my eyes for years. And the half-life of some of these chemicals is around a decade, meaning it can stay around or in the body or have latent exposures for many years. So I like you keep, you know, explaining, this is so parallel to what we just dealt with for the past three years. Now when we actually have a risk, it's, it's this is Arab Brockovich 2.0, you know? I mean, again, and you're talking about the long-term effects and and we're just worried about the short term now what about the actual derailment site the ground zero there um how do you get rid of that well you have people that are professionally uh trained to actually remediate that soil so you see like huge equipment come in and they'll remove that soil until there's no presence again but bumped up against background existing sampling so you're kind of back to how things were so you remediate that soil, then you can bring in soil from other areas to backfill. Um, and uh, they have to haul that off as hazardous waste. And then while they're doing that, they actually have to court on the area in case, you know, anything they're doing goes back into the air. And um, as far as the equipment, a well, lot wait, of times... Wait, pause there. So, so you're saying something else. You're saying that... Let's say they didn't smell issues and, and, and prima facie, they don't really see much, they're not experiencing things... But you're just saying the cleanup alone should have to spawn some sort of evacuation zone. Yeah. Yes, you have to. Because it, if you are familiar with what the EPA designates as Superfund sites, this is a massive cleanup effort. And all of the, the actual burn site and the trenches in which they drain these, all that has to be blocked off. And you will see a lot of, if you, I don't know where you maybe go on YouTube, you look at these hazardous materials cleanup, what they do is they get, all these engineering controls <laughs> capture ventilation and they will do um, they'll take these rods and they'll go deep into the soil and they'll take uh, something called a HAP site that uses that gas chromatograph mass spectrometer and they will see if there's a presence and absence and again it's important to bump up against background because people will freak out sometimes if they know it's in their soil that's naturally occurring but this is a very complex thing um, to remediate soil and remove it as hazardous materials just like if an underground storage tank leaks I mean, you, you think again, we, we believe seven to eight million people globally died from the COVID shots. So it's like, it is nothing for them to bury these people. 
And and mm-hmm. I that's what I'm saying. Everything you're saying, I can't trust they're going to do it and not do the opposite and do everything the way you shouldn't do it, which leads me to the final point I wanted to bring up with you because I've heard you talk about this a lot. So, so what we have, and, and again, the parallels are amazing, Pfizer, Norfolk Southern, you have a total kind of libertarian society. Then you have a regulatory state. What we have is worse of all. It's regulatory capture where it boxes out the ability of the market forces of a free market to deal with things most efficiently, effectively, cost-effective, safely because of natural market forces. So you you all wait for the government, but then the government comes in and they capture or the private sector captures. They're all one, you know, revolving door. They work together. They cycle in and out. We know this in the healthcare field with the FDA, but, but you know, same thing with um, OSHA, EPA, uh, the Department of Transportation, various agencies, the whatever the hazardous pipeline agency, the rail administration, all that. And then, then it's like fascist because then they, it's not like I could come in and have my own, you know, clean up my own testing, my own this and that. They own it, but you have to rely on them. But we're going to hear this call in the public to say, oh, you see, this is too loose. We don't have enough regulations. We need we need to strengthen the authorities of EPA, yada, yada. What do you say to that and what should we be doing? Well, this is why I always promote that you need non-governmental and personnel to respond to these things or at least be attached to the team because we are trained to respond to these things. Like I said, you have the OSHA and EPA that allow themselves to be weaponized, be captured, like you're saying, by special interests and lobbyists, and uh, they become weaponized. And the people who are – that's why you will not see really good people, my personnel, actually working for these agencies (laughs) because I'm I'm being honest. Like the ethics goes out the window because you can be told – we have to do this correctly, but oh, no, it'll look bad. We'll scare people. You know, I, I get what you're saying, and you're exactly right. This is a huge problem. I believe that all these agencies, OSHA, EPA, I view them as unconstitutional. I think they should be privatized. And when you have to be held accountable through what you're you know, promoting in a bid for a con- contract of sorts, these people actually have to do the right thing, and they're always going to find the cheapest, yep. safest, and best option to keep people yes. safe while also maintaining the protection of civil liberties. In other words, people erroneously view it, oh, you look at those greedy private companies, Norfolk Southern, but it's the opposite. They're forgetting that they're operating in a total state zone. It's a total state model that we have that that the, the government controls everything, but they have a private face. Like, like, unlike Europe, which is more like direct socialism, America has what I call venture socialism. So it's funneled, it's funneled through very select monopolistic corporations that the government works with. But it's the worst of all because it takes out the market forces, but it also takes away the accountability. Like a lot of what I'm hearing, for example, is is they're saying, well, well no, no, FEMA can't come in because it's really Norfolk Southern's responsibility. And if we come in, it absolves them of that. that that's the line I'm hearing. Well, that's absolutely ridiculous. And we're just putting other people's profits over our health and safety. And we are funding these agencies through our stolen income, through taxation. And uh, we're supposed to not only trust them, but what would they are paid for uh, to do, they are not doing. And this is the biggest issue. This is why years ago, you know, I'm credentialed in this, but I left the environmental aspect of my career field working for the government because 
I found that it doesn't, what is the point of having these regulations? And they, what they do is they find the small businesses, but then the large corporations, the chemical companies, the laboratories that have these huge uh, lobbying payments to politicians, they are just, you know, slap on the wrist, but they're the biggest polluters. So the government and the government's friends are the biggest polluters in our country, but it's these small businesses that are fined into the ground who actually most likely were trying to do things, not all do the right thing, but not always. So it's a broken system. So people that think if we disband the EPA, it's like, oh, things will be awful. Well, it's bad now. And then they're spinning all these lies about climate change and everything else. You know, where are all the environmentalists right now? Where are all the environmental tree huggers? I'm waiting to see them go to the ground zero. It, it, it's kind of like, I mean, it's not a perfect analogy, but it's close. It's kind of like ivermectin is the carbon dioxide, and then the vinyl chloride is the clot shot or remdesivir. It's like, yeah, vinyl chloride, no, no problem. Oh, but that carbon dioxide, $27 billion EPA program now for uh, greenhouse gas is like, wait, we can't live without carbon dioxide. Um, it's just, it's uh, that juxtaposition is just devastating, and it demonstrates again, how they could turn on and off the faucet. But it, it actually is consistent because the consistency is they want to achieve their objective. Now, they're willing to use the polar opposite tactic. Um, so it was the same thing. Like, we had the biggest shutdown of human beings in the history of the world, right? But then right in middle of it, still in the middle of it in many states, uh, in, in late May, you had BLM, which was the most ubiquitous gathering, mass gatherings in American history. And one from one to another, they both achieved their objectives. So that's fine. You know, we had the greatest border invasion we've ever had. And that's transnational migration. So that's the, you know, if you're worried about pandemics, that's the biggest thing. And no problem. No problem. That is fine. So it's the same thing here. It's just astounding. Fear, 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 even when it doesn't exist. Children never at, at risk, but we're going to shut down the schools for, for a year often, mass them, this and that, eight hours a day. And then here at Ground Zero itself of the worst chemical explosion we've had in, in recent memory, and they see and smell and feel the effects, nothing doing. Uh, Chris, and final, final question here. Um Moving a little bit away from East Palestine, so the 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 kind of the broader effects. Um, obviously, there is this Leslie Run that goes straight down 15 miles or so to the Ohio River, um, and then that goes that whole Ohio River basin. What sort of things do you need to make sure that the surrounding kind of Ohio basin is is safe? Well, that's why I told you they need to identify all the navigable waters and do proper uh, sampling for where this is going, upstream, downstream. Like you have to, again, I keep saying the baseline in the background because that's so important because data can be skewed if you don't calculate that in there. They need to test this water all the way down. They need to be talking to other counties and communities and states that are down river of this. And uh, you, have, you have to test until, again, it's, it's zeroed out. You have to do that. You don't, it's not accessible to say, oh, we're always going to have these levels. It's just like Fukushima, if you remember, with the radiation exposure. All they did was just, you know, increase the exposure limit. Like, oh, it used to be at this level, but you're fine now. You can be exposed to more. And I figure that that's what they're going to do here. So people need to really communicate with their politicians. And this is the first time I feel like this shouldn't be a political issue. It shouldn't matter which side of the aisle. Everyone should care about human life and the environment. 
So this is a way to unite the two sides of the island. So it really is. But they give the assistance. This should be Greta Thunberg's uh, Super Bowl. I mean, this is like she should be all over. Get these people out of there and everything. I mean, there's literally nothing political about this. It's an isolated to that place. But um, but again, it kind of is because political is not political. It's the rise of the Fourth Reich. Uh, Kristen, Megan Kelly, you're a part of that trial. And we hope to bring you in um, to the real trials we're going to have, whether they take the form of investigation, state legislatures, House, whatever, you name it. But thank you. Thanks, thankful to all of you that we are beating Greta's book so far on Amazon. Um, so again, at Kristen Megan on Twitter, follow her podcast at We the Patriots USA. Hey, Kristen, we're going to stay in touch throughout this, and thanks so much for your insights. Well, thank you for allowing me to share this information that the government fails to do. Amen. Take care. So, folks, again, that was Kristen Megan Kelly. She's in Michigan, hazardous exposure expert, industrial hygienist. Uh, One of the great things about this whole saga, all of what we suffered through, I say it all the time, is the friendships that we've been able to make. It's really brought the best people together. Um, Again, we're talking about mirror images today. Just like uh, the chemicals rise to the top in those creeks in East Palestine, uh, what COVID did is it allowed the best people to rise to the top and we got to meet each other. Those who are smart, who are bold, who are brave, committed, um, in their respected fields, the few people in hazardous exposure spoke out against the masking, the few people, few doctors spoke out against this. And, you know, again, you get the sense that this is what a blood libel is all about. And I call it a blood libel. It's because it's not just that they lie, but it's that the very thing that they complain about, they're the ones causing it. Like like Kristen said, the EPA, these people, these companies that they work with, they're the biggest polluters. And that's a big part of what you see with our book, with the rise of the Fourth Reich. It's that the very people who cried about COVID deaths were causing them. They caused them. They shut people down. They depleted their immune systems. They made them more. Everything they did, there's not a single thing they did that didn't not just cause so much other ancillary harm, but make people more vulnerable to COVID itself, whether it was the vitamin D levels, whether it was taking away their medications, whether it was the remdesivir, the Paxlovid that literally causes a rebound, the clot shots that the more you inject, the more you infect. It, 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 it literally... Rather than forming enough neutralizing antibodies, it forms tolerating antibodies. It's unreal. And you see the same thing with pollution and the environment. Look, and and we all know we're the ones who are pro-environment. They're largely city folk and and cosmopolitan. We like the country. We like, you know, our people are rural-based. And uh, we certainly appreciate it. I don't like pollution. None of us do. Um, although, though I don't, you know, these guys don't care about it, and and that's the thing here. Uh, so she's absolutely right. The lesson is no, privatize it, privatize it. But when we say privatize, people think more, you know, rich, greedy companies like that. No, it means a real free market absolved from government. Um, you know, like I'm, I'm all for pharmaceutical companies. I think we have great scientists and doctors that we know that could create them, but they can't because of the barriers to entry. It doesn't mean Pfizer. It means undoing that. Undoing that. And by the way, this is perfectly uh, just uh, I just sent this to Stephen, our publisher. Right now, we're ra- ranked as I'm talking number 53 on Amazon. This is of all books in the universe. It's unbelievable. Greta. Her global warming book came out the same day. And, and you could not imagine like the, 
the two of us are the juxtaposition. We have everything against us. We're nothing. We have no one on our side. She is the weight of the universe. It's not just the American establishment, the global establishment. She's European behind her. And she's 151 and we're 53. And But here's the thing. Even though it came out the same day, we're three times ahead of her. But she has 352 reviews already and we have 34. And that just shows we're doing better but fewer reviews just because it's it just came out. Like how could you have read the book so quickly have so many reviews? Because it's it's genuine. It's all grassroots whereas hers is it's all astroturfed. Um, and again, we have not been on a single Fox News show um, or most of the top radio shows and podcasts minus Glenn Beck. And I don't want to diminish that because Glenn's audience is huge. And that certainly has been a big, big part of it. And Glenn has been amazing all along. Um, I, I just want to end off again. You know, there as we talk about climate fascism causes environmental problems, um, we have this carbon capture pipeline to bury pipelines and caves of co2 under our ground you know co2 is not a problem but ironically they're going to make it a problem you know if you put all that underground in such a high concentration who knows what that does so we talked about this eminent domain they're stealing our land in the dakotas so it turns out south dakota 1133 it didn't even end their ability to seek eminent domain in south dakota they could be a common carrier and take your land by going to court without the state government signing off meaning it doesn't have to be a public good they could just say we determine for our shareholders this is the right thing to do and done i mean you talk about communism talk about venture social socialism regulatory capture so this bill would have ended their status as a common carrier. They could still seek eminent domain through the public service, or I think it's the Utilities Commission there. And it was defeated in the Senate Commerce and Energy Committee in South Dakota, 9-0. to zero. <laughs> There's almost no Democrats. There's almost full Republican panel. Christy Nome was dead silent because she supports it. And by the way, the same day, same day, we had a simple bill. I was doing a lot of media on this. The most milquetoast bill you could ever get. Okay? Um, oh, so it doesn't even end the mandate. It just says you, you're entitled to a philosophical conscience exemption from only COVID shots, none of the other shots. And even then it exempted, it accepted that exemption any circumstance where it interferes with a government, a federal mandate. So all the hospitals, everything, very minimal. Even that failed 30 to 38. Meaning there's a 63 to 7 GOP majority in the House. And that's the more, the House is more conservative than the Senate. So we got 30 of the 63 Republicans in the South Dakota House to affirm that, hey, can you please allow me an exemption of something that is depleting birth rates, killing people, negative effective, a million times over. Christy Nome was dead silent. And I just want to say this, that, and, and I got to watch my mouth here. I want to keep this a family-oriented show. That woman, uh, two days ago, was at the Trump Institute. She's Trump's 
private stalking horse against DeSantis. And she started ripping him that really he's a fraud and somehow he's a COVID fascist. When literally yesterday, his Department of Health put out a, an alert to all their people bashing the shots, sent a letter to CDC, your stuff is killing people, there's this and that. The only governor, the only health department in the entire country doing this by a mile. So she was like, we never shut down. I put out on Twitter a screenshot of the piece of legislation. So you have on the legislation the sponsor, like the state senator, the state rep. But in South Dakota, a couple other states are like this. If you introduce something on behalf of the governor's office, it will say that. Senator, and I forget, it was it was in the House. I forget the name of the guy on behalf of Governor Nome's office. It was to shut down the, the state. It was actually defeated um, overwhelmingly. This, exactly like Trump, Trump will blame you for going along with something he pushed and he didn't, like, he begged DeSantis to shut down the state and he didn't. He lied, but it was because of his doing that he even did anything. And Christina is the same thing. She's taking credit. Oh, we didn't shut down the state. Yeah, you idiot. You begged the legislature and they defeated you. Unbelievable, that woman. So she never took a stance. And again, I'm just telling you, when you have conservatives push such monumental legislation in your legislature and you're a governor and you don't take a stand, that is taking a stand. You are. so, And, and I'm sure privately her people were whipping against it. But I'm just saying she she opposed even that degree of an exception from a mandate. Imagine if like we have hemlock being distributed by the state health department. And we're like, could you please give us a partial exemption in some circumstance from the mandate to take the hemlock? And like, wait, what? Huh? So that's that's how bad it is. I want to end off with one story just to end off on a positive note, a story that embodies what we are calling for in our last chapter. We have the most comprehensive blueprint. We don't just complain. Yes, it's a depressing book. Yes, it's going to make you mad. Yes, it's going to make you sad. But... I, I, we, we note that, remember, this theme's much bigger than us. It's not just the federal government. It's global, the WHO. Every global government did this. How could we fight China, WEF, WHO, UN, US government, European Union all working together? But the reality is most of COVID fascism began with state and local governments. Never forget that. And there's 3,000, whatever, 300 or so counties in America. You know, what is it, like 75, 80, no, 82% of them voted for Trump over Biden. And a good number of them, overwhelmingly so. So if we just had the people that supposedly agree with us assert their will over their county governments, you could end a lot of the biomedical surveillance mandates, all this stuff, and certainly at a state level, but even county level. And this is one of our action items in the in the in the um in the book. It's from Yahoo News, along with the big story in Florida of the state government pushing back, Collier County. Okay, the Collier County is like Naples area. They're refunding 167000 in grant funding from CDC. And they're saying, we don't want it. We don't want it. It was basically money to pimp the vaccines in the county. And all the counties got this money. 
take it. We don't want it. The exact opposite of what these whorish Republicans are doing, refusing to do the right thing because they want money. Here, we're going to do the right thing and screw it. Take your money. We don't want it. That's what we need. And the county commission, it was a unanimous vote, five to zero. That's what a red county should do. That's the trickle-down effect of DeSantis. His leadership is a million light years ahead of the next best Republican. Um, It's not even close. I mean, there's nothing to even talk about. Again, I don't care about the presidential election. I think the idea is we need people like this on every red county and state, and we need people to get involved. Rise of the Fourth Reich, hashtag Nuremberg 2, is not just um, a book. It's a movement. It's not even just COVID fascism or even biomedical fascism. It's everything. It's our life and our liberty and, and ability to survive. We could do it if in our own spheres of influence... We push back. You have the blueprint. I need all of you to purchase the book if you haven't, to get it for a friend, to get it, adopt your state legislator, your congressman, get it on his desk. Um, again, get it in your libraries. Go online to request it be uh, brought into your library. I want to thank uh, Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh gave a, tweeted out very generous endorsement of our book. Um, again, it's one of the highest level endorsements we have because very few people will We'll touch it. Um, it's a miracle. It is where it is, but we need to keep it going so it doesn't fall fall down in the rankings. And if we keep this up, it, they I mean, unless they play a game by next week, next weekend, it will have to be on the New York Times bestseller. There's 15 slots for a hardcover um, nonfiction. It's going to have to be there. I don't know exactly where, but we squarely fit in the center of it um, based on the sales um, and that will, again, at some point, it's going to get their attention. Who knows what they'll do? Um, I also need your help in putting up good reviews because it's going to get spanned by people who didn't even buy the book um, to knock down the rankings. So we definitely need your help. You guys are amazing. I am so thankful that there are so many people out there that think like me. I get emails like, oh, my gosh, Daniel, you're my spirit animal. You channel what I can't articulate, but I'm thinking – I feel the same way. I didn't know other people think like me. Um, it's it's insane. And and no other conservative outlet is really doing this. Steve and I are. This is a movement. This is a family. This has been a terrific week. We will have trials and execution. We will take back our bodies, our souls, our minds, and eventually our counties and states. And we will kick these SOBs out of our lives. Have a terrific weekend. Till Monday. God bless y'all. Keep fighting keep telling the truth.